You're listening to the Church of the Redeemer Sermon Podcast. Join us at our 10 a.m. worship gathering in Alcoa, Tennessee. Visit us at churchotr.com for more info and to hear other sermons in this series. We have been going through 1 Kings together, and we just finished 1 Kings 8 this past Sunday. But there is this very wild and mysterious few verses that we're going to read tonight that have a bearing on what it means to understand that God became a human in the person of Jesus. So this is 1 Kings 8, beginning with verse 6, all the way through verse 13. 1 Kings 8, verse 6. This is at the completion of the temple, and this is a temple completion ceremony, and all these things that are happening that we'll read about have a, an important conclusion. Then the priests brought the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord to its place in the inner sanctuary of the house in the most holy place, underneath the wings of the cherubim, that is, a statue of angels. For the cherubim spread out their wings over the place of the ark, so that the cherubim overshadowed the ark and its poles. And the poles were so long that the ends of the poles were seen from the holy place before the inner sanctuary, but they could not be seen from outside, and they are there to this day. There was nothing in the ark except the two tablets of stone that Moses put there at Horeb, where the Lord made a covenant with the people of Israel when they came out of the land of Egypt. And when the priests came out of the holy place, a cloud filled the house of the Lord so that the priests could not stand to minister because of the cloud for the glory of the Lord filled the house of the Lord. Then Solomon said, The Lord has said that he would dwell in thick darkness. I have indeed built you an exalted house, a place for you to dwell in forever. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. A hundred years ago, a German professor named Rudolf Otto decided he wanted to take a tour of world religions. He visited Japan and China and India and over the Middle East and then over northern Africa and Europe as well. And in one particular place, he was at a Jewish synagogue on the Sabbath, that is to us a Saturday, and he heard the text from Isaiah 6-3 being sung. It depicts these angels singing, holy, holy, holy what Christians throughout the Latin Middle Ages called a sanctus. And he said, I, I've heard that sanctus. I've heard it in Roman Catholic, St. Peter's Basilica in Rome. I've heard it in a Russian Orthodox church in Jerusalem. And on that particular day, the words gave me a mighty shudder, he said. A mighty shudder. He said he felt like he was transported to another place. He was experiencing this awe, this mysterious otherness of the holiness of God in a way that was hard for him to quantify. He eventually wound up writing about these experiences in what became, at the time, one of the most influential books in the psychology of religion called The Idea of the Holy, which still influences people in the field of psychology of religion today. And he said the idea of the holy, like what he experienced in a Jewish synagogue in Morocco, was what he called the mysterium tremens et fascinans. I know you're all nodding along like, yeah. Well, remember, he was a professor, so he's really snooty and he had to come up with a Latin phrase, right? Now, it, when you break it down into its component parts, it's, it's fairly easy to understand. The, the, mis the mystery that is at the same time terrifying and fascinating. He said when you break it down, the holy, the experience of the holy, devoid of doctrinal content in different religions, when you break it down, the experience of the holy is this mystery that is at the same time terrifying and fascinating. Mystery. There's this thing that's wholly other, this power beyond ourselves, and we don't know everything there is to know about this mystery. 
terrifying. Tremens, that this is beyond my psyche. I don't fully understand it. I'm in awe, and I, it causes a little bit of silence, and I'm a little bit afraid. And then the last one, fascinates. Fascinating. There's an allure to this experience that I'm having that is gracious and merciful. I want more of it. The mysterium tremens at fascinates. Be honest with yourself. Whether you are religious or not, and you're, let's say, high school age or above, and you have gotten away from your screen long enough, those are all important qualifiers, you have probably experienced the mystery that is both terrifying and fascinating. Let's say you're alone in your house at night, and you sense a presence maybe a few times in your life, and you know you're not alone, and it gives you goosebumps. Let's say you're hiking on a wooded trail, or maybe you're in the mountains, and you're just so in awe of the beauty of creation, you know there's a reality beyond yourself. Let's say there's that beautiful piece of music, or you behold that wonderful piece of art, and you just know that beauty is deeper than what humans alone can produce. If that's ever been you, you've experienced what Otto would have called the idea of the holy. The mysterium tremens at fascinans, the mystery that is at the same time terrifying and fascinating. However you've experienced it, the Christian story also has an account of the holy that is similar and unique. So first, the similar. Solomon has completed the temple here, and there are all these sacrifices and There's all these things to set up the fact that we're now dedicating the temple and it's open for business. And the first thing that really happens after they open the temple for business is that a cloud, in verse 10, comes to fill the temple. In verse 11, that cloud is called the glory of the Lord. And it's so thick that it's knocking priests over. It says the priests can't even stand. And this is in the outer part of the temple. There were two rooms. The inner temple is where the smoke began to fill. And the priests have moved to the outer room, and they can't even stand there. They have to leave the building altogether. This is the mysterium tremens that Otto talked about. The real presence of God here isn't cozy. You know, in in various forms of American sentimental religion, we often think of God in cozy terms. Think about the last generation, whether it's chicken soup for the soul or this generation, Jesus calling. It's the idea that Jesus is my friend. He, I can know him, and all, all those things are true. But if that's all you know about God, you're missing the mis- mystery that is a little bit terrifying. To truly be in the presence of this perfect God who created everything, if there's not a little fear in us, We probably don't understand God, nor have a healthy respect for his power. And it's in understanding how Christianity is similar to Otto's account that we understand how unique it is, too. Unique. That's because the very claim of our Matthew reading that Vivian read is that this God with glory in a thick cloud that's knocking priests over is the same God who becomes the person of Jesus. The same God who fills the temple now fills a human person. The same God who was knocking priests over is now nursing with his mother. The same God who brings the tremens of awe and fear is also the God who comforts and nearness by understanding human struggles now. The unique account of the holy in Christianity is that this very God who could inspire and demand respect is the God who enters into human pain and suffering. 
to take away our stress, to take away our burdens, to take away our sin and rebellion against God, and ultimately, when Jesus comes again, to take away suffering for good. Like that account of the Mysterium Tremens et Fascinans, in C.S. Lewis's classic children's story, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, he tells about a good and scary lion who gets at this, because C.S. Lewis was very influenced by Rudolf Otto in the idea of the holy. So these four children make it into this imaginary land called Narnia, and these beavers are trying to explain who this lion Aslan is. And then they say this, At the name of Aslan, each one of the children felt something jump in his inside. Lewis goes on to say, None of the children knew who Aslan was, but the moment the beaver had spoken these words, everyone felt quite different. Perhaps it has sometimes happened to you in a dream that someone says something which you don't understand, but in a dream it had enormous meaning. And you remember its beauty the rest of your life. Lewis, by the end of the book, shows the children hugging Aslan because he saved them. They're crying on Aslan and begging for him not to leave. The Mysterium Tremens has become a person. The thing that made them shudder on the inside is also the, the very person they've come to hug. Personal. Relational. That's the fascinance. Just like Jesus. Friends, The Christian writer G.K. Chesterton said that when people stop believing in God, it's not that they'll believe in nothing. It's that they'll believe in anything. I think in Western countries, we see the decline of institutional Christianity, but you don't see a concurrent rise in atheism. And I think it's because almost everyone has an experience with the Mysterium Tremens at Fascinans. At root, the vast majority of human history and the vast majority of humans on this planet right now know there's something beyond themselves. And you've encountered it in your real life. Not everyone, though, trusts their whole life to the holy God who became a person. Everyone experiences the mystery that is terrifying and fascinating, but not everyone trusts their whole life to him the one who becomes human for us and lives perfectly for us, who dies for us even when we want to, you know, give the stiff arm to him and conquers death for us in the person of Christ. Friends, you will encounter the holy. Will you let him encounter you? You will experience the holy. Will you let him experience you? Let's pray. Our Father, truly, you come in a thick cloud and your spirit could scare us. But you you sent your son, Jesus, to be incarnate among us. And sure, there were things and times where Jesus was a little scary, but Lord, he knows what it's like to be us. And we give you thanks for that. May those of us here who are Christians come to rely on him even more. And may those who maybe don't know him come to meet him. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast. We hope you can join us next week. God bless and have a great week.